You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. When I was about 12 years old, I was spending the summer doing the things that I normally did in the summer, like uh, walking around the neighborhood with my boombox, riding my bike miles and miles and miles without any GPS or anybody knowing where I was, literally. uh, No phone, you know, just riding your bike wherever, hanging out at the Piggly Wiggly, drinking uh, Welch's grape soda from a bottle, eating a chocolate eclair, Uh, going to the comic book store and then playing plastic baseball. It sounds a little bit like season one of Stranger Things, but such is life in the 1980s. And uh, plastic baseball was one of our summertime favorites. Some of you probably have heard this story before, but uh, I was uh, gathering together, obviously, probably any day that we could find enough people to play. And on this particular day, we decided that this yard that we had we all would play in, uh, the, the home run line was, was too short. We were hitting too many home runs. Um, and so the, the home run line was marked by a bunch of railroad ties. And so we decided as a group that we were going to move these railroad ties back a little bit so as to make the distance from home plate to the home run line just a little bit further, make it a little bit harder. And so, I, you know, I, we, we moved a bunch of them, and, and then I don't, myself and my friend Pete decided we were going to pick one up. I don't know why. Maybe we were trying to prove our manliness that day because, I mean, the better idea was just to push them and, and roll them. But we decided to pick them up, so, so we picked them up, right, and then you start to do that shuffle like this, and, and you're moving. And it was like we get to the place that we want to put it down and say, on the count of three, we're going to drop this. So we were like, one. Two, and before three could get out of my mouth, I don't think Pete purposefully dropped it, but he had just given out, right? And it was, it was heavy, and we were scrawny. And so he drops it, and when he drops it, it immediately hits the ground. Well, then that domino effect yanks the side of mine out of my hand, and it slams down to the ground. Problem was, my foot was on top of that ground. And that railroad tie crushed my right big toe. And uh, you think, well, what's the big deal? It, listen, you try to do anything without either one of your big toes. It is literally the foundation of how you stand, walk, run, do anything, as you know, right? So I, I went home, and I don't remember everything that happened at that point. I knew we were supposed to go on a family vacation to the beach with some extended family, and that's all I remember. I don't know if we went to the doctor. I don't know if my mom and dad just said, well, there's nothing we can do for you, son. I don't know. I don't remember. I just know that we had a a shoe we cut the top out of, right? And I go to the beach, and when I tell you I did not enjoy the beach at all, I just functioned. Like I couldn't run, I couldn't walk. The sand was the worst thing in the world because there's nothing hard, so you're just like doing this all the time. And, And so I was just functioning, not enjoying the beach because of my big broken toe. I believe that's where most of us are when it comes to our emotions. We just function. We make the most of it. We adapt. We we, we cut the the 
top of the shoe out, right? We, we try to get by. We avoid certain things that hurt. We avoid things that are going to cause us any kind of pain or discomfort, and we just make it through. But there's more. I believe that God would want you to know today in his word and, and, and in the life of Christ that we have in him, there is so much more, but it's going to take hard work. Living with an emotionally healthy spirituality takes hard work. Now, the big question when it comes to that hard work is, well, why? I mean, maybe you're asking yourself that same question. Not sure what the big deal is. I've kind of made it through like, like so far, so good. What, why do we have to put in this hard work? Why stir things up and work so hard? And what I feel like God would want to say to you today and to me is this. In response to those types of thoughts, there's a difference between surviving and thriving. There's a difference between what I was just talking about. There's a difference between functioning and what I believe God wants us to do, and that is to flourish. Some of us are just trying to enjoy life with crushed emotions, if you will, which are the foundation of how we respond and live in many ways, much like I was trying to enjoy the beach with a crushed toe. And foundationally, you can barely function, much less flourish. We are in week two of the series, Break My Soul, and the truth of this is that the enemy wants to break our soul, wants us to live in an unhealthy emotional state, and God, through Jesus, wants to restore our soul, to redeem our unredeemed emotions, if you will. And that means that God, the Heavenly Father, wants to get to the deepest part of who we are to heal us and make us whole because being a whole person is exactly what we're after in this series on emotionally healthy spirituality. We want to be whole people. We said this last week, it's impossible to be emotionally immature and spiritually mature at the same time. Those two do not coexist, immaturity, emotionally and spiritually mature. Spiritual growth and maturity happen together, and they happen when we surrender all of who we are to God. We, we started off last week with a foundational message of why this is important in the scripture in Matthew 22, where it says what? The greatest commandment, that we are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second commandment is like it, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. God made us whole people with emotions. He made us in his image, and he said that it was good. And so when we do not operate as a whole person, we are unable to wholly love God and other people. We're just functioning, which means a lot of times everything around us is dysfunctional. So if we're going to do more than be dysfunctional or barely functioning or hobbling around, if you will, the Flourishing in our emotional health is directly related to knowing our true self. Who am I? Who am I really? We want to know our true self. And if you want to know who that really is in Christ, Paul speaks about it. And I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. This is knowing our true self in Christ. And here's what it says in this particular passage. It says that we are to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's what I want you to understand. Your new self 
is your truest self. In Christ, this is who you are. This is the most of who your true self is or ever will be is when you know who you are in Christ. However, what Paul is saying here is there's a putting off and a putting on that has to continue to take place in our lives for the rest of our lives. And your awareness of yourself and your relationship with God are intricately related to making that happen. To be able to put yourself off, you have to know what that self is. And to be able to put your new self on, you have to be able to know who that is in Christ. Let's put it this way. You cannot truly know God without knowing yourself. And you cannot truly know yourself without knowing God. This is so true. I can't truly know God as my father until I know who I am apart from him. That I need a savior. That is my true self, my old self that I have to continue to put off. Augustine said, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. An important part of knowing your true self is knowing that God created us to feel a wide range of emotions, and those emotions are attached to reasons or even necessary actions that need to be taken because of what we are feeling. What we feel is attached to why we feel that way. What I'm feeling right now, well, why am I feeling? We talked about that last week. So there's a reaction or or something I'm supposed to do because of that. It was depression for me where I came to a place of total lack of feeling that got me to admit that there was something very wrong that I could no longer ignore. I couldn't ignore what I was feeling and press it down any longer. I had to see what was going on. Why was I feeling this way? And God, I need your help. Watch this progression. I had to honestly assess myself so that God could lovingly address myself and continue to transform me into my new self. I'll say that again. We have to honestly assess ourselves, so that God can lovingly address our old self so that we can continue to be transformed, this mess, into my new self. We can be a functioning avatar or we can be a flourishing human that God created us to be. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. And when it comes to our emotions, knowing ourselves and our God helps us to know there is more than just functioning, but there is flourishing to be had in Christ. We all have feelings, obviously. God gave us those feelings. And it's important for us to know them because God created our bodies to respond physiologically to the world around us. I mean, this is just... I don't know, maybe physiology 101. This is why we have emotions, why we understand why they're not bad, but God gave them to us. Think about it. That knot in your stomach that you get before a tough conversation, these emotions that you begin to feel. Or what about that tension in your shoulders or your neck, the muscles around there when you're a little bit anxious about something? What about the release of adrenaline and fear when you're afraid of something or scared about something? Or that elevated heart rate and joy and excitement you get when you see that person that you're in love with? God is speaking to us, I'd say almost yelling at us, if you will, to 
hear what he's trying to say through our emotions and our physical bodies. But we've been taught for so long to immediately mistrust our feelings or to call them wrong, particularly fear or anger or sadness, that we ignore them, we press them down, we ignore what our bodies and our emotions are saying, and instead we should be asking God what he's trying to show us and say to us through them. Or maybe we get really spiritual, right, and go, well, Lord, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be led by emotion, so could you give me a more spiritual sign? But our bodies are often telling us what our feelings are long before our minds are. I don't know about you, but there were times where growing up I was a, a vocal performance major, and I had to do these competitions, and I would get so nervous, and not to get, you know, too personal, but, man, I'd have to go to the bathroom right? My body, and even if I wasn't feeling nervous, like I wasn't feeling nervous, but my body was telling me that I was a nervous wreck, and my mind hadn't caught up yet, but I want to ignore that. No, then what would it be? It's like, okay, I I feel nervous. Well, what are we, let's pray about that instead of let's ignore that, and yet we've been taught, ignore, press it down, pray harder and forget about it. No, admit and let God assess, you assess what God is doing in your life. Let him address what's going on in your life so that he can make you new again in Christ. When we lie to ourselves and tell ourselves we shouldn't be feeling anything, we crush what it means to be human. We begin to live a false version of ourselves And consequently, we don't allow God to use that area of our life to speak to us, to know him more intimately even, to to cause us to press into him and to know ourselves even more intimately. If one of our greatest obstacles in knowing God is our own lack of knowing ourselves, then it stands to reason one of the ways that we avoid our true self is by creating a lot of false selves. We wear masks because that just seems like it works better. It's easier. It's less messy at times. So we put the masks on in front of God. We put the masks on in front of other people. And we put the masks on even in the mirror. You have to be brutally honest with yourself and before God if you want things to change. I mean, isn't that true about anything? You got to be brutally honest about if you, you, I'm going to be brutally honest about my weight. I want it to change. I want to be brutally honest about my marriage and the state that it's in if I want it to change. I've got to be brutally honest about the state of my money and how we steward what God's given us if I want some things to change. I can't just ignore it. It's like when my doctor looked at me the last time I went to him, and I know, listen, don't, don't, we all have our own issues that we deal with, our own body types, so I'm not shaming or judging anybody, but he told me, and I have lost some weight, but he told me at that point in time, look, you need to lose about 15 pounds. Now you say, well, you you look fine. I've lost 10 since he's told me that, so that's why I look a little bit different. But the reality is my body is used to being kind of scrawny. That's just the way it is. That's how I grew up. That's my DNA. And if my knees start carrying 20 extra pounds, although that's typical normal weight for a six-foot-tall man, not for this six-foot-tall man. My knees are like, I ain't never carried that much weight. You got to stop. Get scrawny again. But I had to be honest. When he starts saying stuff like pre-diabetic and things, I'm like, whoa, whoa, doc. We gotta get, we're getting serious here. Okay. I went home that night, ate a salad with salmon. That's how it, I mean, it's like, I'm drinking water. That's all I'm ever drinking again. That, it didn't last but more than a couple of weeks, but I'm trying. 
This is what David so honestly said before God. He was getting honest before God. In Psalm 139, I love this, the heart cry of David. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. We're often like, don't try me. God's saying, yes, try me. Know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's being honest. That's being vulnerable. That's trusting in the goodness of God to see everything there is to see about you and still love you. Let me assure you, this is what you will find out about about God. He is more than able to handle all of your emotions. He's not shocked. He's not offended. He's not put off. All you have to do is look at God's word and see how he handled David. He did it for David. He did it for Job. He did it for Jeremiah. He did it for Peter. He did it for everyone that was around him. And if he's able to do that for them, he will do that for you. For all who are emotionally honest and raw before God, I believe they all get to a place where they realize that what they felt would never change the way God felt about them. And this is the place that all of us need to get to as well. This is where I want to lead you today. It's the foundation for emotional health in so many ways in how we approach God that what you feel will never change the way God feels about you. Jeremiah says that he has loved you with an everlasting love. What does that mean? It never ends. It's everlasting. I say this all the time because it always bears repeating. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Nothing. God is love, and he loves you with an everlasting love. You must know that about him in order to know yourself properly, that he loves you. We have to know every purpose of God in our lives is because what? He loves us, whether it's discipline, correction, instruction, or when it comes to healing our emotions, he loves us and he handles us with love. He is a good heavenly father. No matter what your examples have been on this earth, God is not like that. He is good. He handles us with love. And this is the assurance, knowing that he is love, that helps us embrace a loving God who wants to help us to be honest and vulnerable about our true self while putting off our false self and putting on our new self. What keeps us from being honest? What keeps us from being vulnerable? What are the masks that we put on? If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 4. And I'll take the remainder of our time today just to unpack a little bit of what we're seeing when Jesus encounters the devil in the wilderness. We see three temptations. They mirror basically the three temptations that Satan came to Adam and Eve with. They failed. Jesus didn't. And these temptations threaten to rob us of truly knowing God and then also truly knowing ourselves. All three of these temptations yell in our ears, God's love for you will never be enough. God surely wouldn't accept you. You're not lovable. You're not good enough. That's what these things continue to yell, these temptations. And so we believe them and we begin to put on these masks. Now to emphasize the point that we just made about the love of God, that it never changes, that he always loves you, we can actually start back at Matthew 3, 17. You don't have to turn there, but this is where the Father speaks audibly about Jesus, the Son. 
And he says, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus is receiving affirmation of love from the Father, that he is deeply loved by God the Father simply for who he is, his son. He hasn't done anything of note, but he is loved by the Father. His ministry hasn't even started, but he is loved by the Father. And this love of the Father that is always there for us is foundational to how you feel about yourself. Knowing your true self starts with knowing the unconditional love of God as your Father, your true Father. Very simply, but imperative that you hear this. You are loved by God. And if for one second you begin to doubt that when I say that, then we're going to keep coming back to this again and again. You've got to know that you are loved by God, that he loves you with an everlasting love, and nothing can change that. Nothing you've done, no failure, no sin is too great to remove the love of God. Nothing, Scripture says, can separate us from his love. Now, the enemy's going to come and tell you that nobody loves you, not even God. And you're going to be tempted when you hear those types of things to put on these masks to protect yourself. Why? Because we want to protect our hearts. We want to protect our feelings. When something is hurt, when something's been painful, when we've been betrayed or anything like that, we don't want to feel that again. So our temptation is to put on masks so that we never go there again. Mask number one, and these are all taken from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pastor Pete Scazzaro, but it's the mask of performance. Let's read our passage, Matthew 4, verse 2, where Jesus is being tempted by Satan, and it says this, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, I'd say. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread and do a magic trick. Come on. What are you going to do? You're out here all alone. Man, you can do this. And here's Jesus at the age of 30 that we believe that he hasn't really started his ministry or done anything of of impressive note, if you will, and yet the devil is trying to get him to buy into this false self, this mask of I am what I do, or the mask of performance. I am what I do. You're the son of God, so you can certainly do this. It's the same pattern the devil used on Adam and Eve, the lust of the flesh, if you will. Do what you want to do because you can. You're the son of God. Do what you want to do. We're tempted the same way to do what we want, to perform for others so that we can impress them. And who we are flows out of what we do. But to be honest before God and emotionally healthy, we have to allow what we do to flow out of who we are. What I do has to flow out of who I am. And who are are we foundationally? If what I do has to flow out of who we are, what are we foundationally? We're loved by God foundationally I'm going to go back to that broken toe if you will that everything is hinging on whether you're going to stand or fall you are loved by God that's who you are foundationally the temptation was going to the core of Jesus identity by causing him to misinterpret his circumstances thereby distrusting God as a good father you ever done that that you misinterpret misinterpret your circumstances and start distrusting that God is good because the stuff that's going around you isn't good And this is what's happening. He's hungry, he's hurting. After 40 days of fasting, you know he's tired. And and everything that's going on around him seems to contradict the voice that was declaring his status as a loved son of God. However, Jesus maintains that the essence of life is trusting God's word. That's why he quotes God's word right back at the devil. 
He does not need to perform. He doesn't need to turn stones into bread in order to confirm his identity or to have God to supply his needs. He just trusts in the goodness of the Father. Wherever you are today, I want to encourage you to trust the goodness of the Father because your circumstances around you, much like Jesus, that's when the enemy comes. It's like, does this look like God loves you? Does this really look like God cares about you? And it's in those weak moments that we are wanting to put the mask on to perform. Say, okay, no, I'll do what I want to do and make everybody think everything's okay. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Mask number two is the mask of popularity. What am I known for? I want people to see me. I want people to know. It's like, hey, man, if you see somebody that throws himself down off of a mountain and then all of a sudden doesn't die, (laughs) we're going to get that on Instagram. We're going to record that. Wow. Did you see this thing went viral, what Jesus just did? And he's tempted to do something where everybody's going to notice him and realize right off the bat who he is. We all put more emphasis on what people think about us than we believe we realize. I mean, we say, well, I don't care. Usually the more we say we don't care is probably the fact that we really do care. We become truly free to be our true selves when we realize that God loves us and that is more than enough. That's why it's foundational. What? That if everybody else rejects, if everybody else doesn't respond, if everybody else doesn't care, if everybody else doesn't notice, well, what is foundational about my life is that my Father loves me with an everlasting love. If you are concerned about what people think about you when you're 15, you will be concerned about what people think about you when you're 35 unless you let God heal that area of your life. I mean, that is probably one of my... I say greatest fears, but it is a fear of mine about the generations that we're living in where everything is out and we see everything and we're all judged by how many likes and how many views we have is when that disappears and that's what we put our hope in, what is left? Verse 8, and again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Mask number three is the mask of possessions. Man, I'll give you all of this. This can all be yours. All you got to do is this little thing. Here we see the lust of the eyes or the false self or I am what I own. I am what I own. I am what I do, I I am what other people think, and I am what I own. This is always the temptations for the things for us to put on. All this I will give you, you can have it all, your stuff, your possessions, and they begin to define you. Have you ever felt that way? Look around at what everybody else has and you have very little to nothing so you think you don't matter. The temptation to feed the false self is supported by every marketing strategy everywhere you turn all over the world. And I've been a lot of places all over the world, and it's the same. 
It's that human desire to have something that I don't have so that somebody else will notice me and so somebody else will think that everything's okay. So I want that new watch. I want those new shoes. I want that new car, the new house, the better this, the better that. And we literally buy into the idea that we are what we own and we forget what our true self comes from. Not from what we have, but from who we are. And who are we foundationally? We're loved by God. Okay, by this time you should know that. I want you to say it. Who are we foundationally? We are loved by God. The world says possessions are my source of value. They're my source of security. That's the way I can be most secure. How much I've got stored away, how much I've got in reserve. And Jesus shows us that surrendering our will to the love of the Father is the true anchor to your soul. That's why he talks about all these things can burn up. They can go away. They're not going to last. They're not eternal. So if you put your hope in that and our hope's not in Christ, they will fail you. I remember years ago sitting with a young man in my office who was coming and asking some things and working through some stuff in his life. And we started talking about some stuff that was actually, you know, because our whole life seems to be out here. We started talking about it. It's like, well, tell me about your account because it's a little confusing. So he goes on to say, well, you know, I just, I put so much in the stuff that I own. So that's why I'll, you'll see pictures of like these expensive watches and these expensive that and expensive cars and trucks. And, and, and I just, I try to feed and I want other people to think that I, ha and this is where we were at. And I'm like, well, that's not where your worth comes from. I know, I know. I wish I could say that he's here today and everything's great. But recently I was back online. I was like, Everything looks just like it used to. About possessions, it's like what I have. Look at this new thing that I did. Look at this new thing that I bought. Look at how much money I spent on this. It's the mask of possessions. And living your God-given abundant life consists of living as your true self. You have to discern rightly when we are knowing who we are. You have to discern rightly between the voice of the Lord, the voice of the enemy, and the voice of others around you. We talked about this before, why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit in us. Because it's hard to discern those voices sometimes. Was that me or was that God? Was that my friend or was God trying to speak to me? And, or are they, is it the same? Is God trying to speak to me through the body of Christ? And, and a lot of times he is. But you have to discern rightly. Who does God say that you are? And when you listen to him and when you follow him, you live in the freedom that he died for you to live in. But, and this is a big one, when you listen to God's voice and you follow him, you're going to disappoint other people in the process. I mean, if you think that all these things, well, I'm going to have everything that I want, I'm going to be really popular, and people are going to love me if I do what God says to do, then we're sorely mistaken. We've missed the whole sum and total of Jesus' life. You probably won't be the most popular person. Jesus disappointed all kinds of people. He disappointed his family. He disappointed his friends. He disappointed the people he grew up with in Nazareth. He disappointed the religious leaders. That's a lot of relational disappointment. But he pleased his heavenly father. From the position of understanding the loving relationship he had with his heavenly father, Jesus had a mature, healthy, true self. How do we put off the false self, begin to know our true self so that we can know God more? I'll go back to Psalm 139, and we pray the prayer that David prayed. Search me, O God. Know my heart. 
Because I can put on all kinds of masks and make it look like one thing, but you know my heart. Try me. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was being tried. So when you pray that, just, just know, try, I mean, when you say don't try me, it's because we don't like to be tried. But to be tried by a loving Heavenly Father will be the best thing for us. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We have to understand the powerful result of this invitation to God. It's not going to be painless. But the purpose that God has for us through that pain will be worth it. You ever have like a splinter in your finger that's really deep? I mean, for some of you, if I say that, you just cringe. Like, you know, there's an emotion you get. But it's like, okay, I don't want to shove a sharp object down into my finger to get that out. So I'm just going to leave it. And it just kind of hurts more and more. But at some point, I just have to grit my teeth and get something and I'll sterilize it for all of you medical people. And then puncture my skin and get that thing out it hurts but it's got to get out it doesn't belong there and likewise it is with honesty and humility that we daily invite the great physician to probe the depths of our being exposing our true sin nature our false self our masks our raw emotions all of it in the hopes of being delivered from it by the hands of our Lord, knowing that all that he is doing is why? Because he loves us. And when his work is done, we're gonna be more like Jesus. But the more you allow him to perfect your life, the more you will become who God truly made you to be, covering any wounds that you have with his healing grace and love. So are you surviving or thriving? Are you just functioning, maybe even dysfunctional, or are you flourishing? Are you wearing masks in front of God, in front of other people, and maybe even in front of the mirror? Or are you honestly coming before God, telling him to search you and try you, and submitting your unredeemed emotions to him, emotions that he is using and that he gave you to draw you to himself in the first place? Isn't it kind of crazy and even insidious that something God has given us to draw us closer to himself that we would say is bad and try to ignore? Doesn't that sound like something the enemy would want you to do? I would also encourage you to find some trustworthy friends in the body of Christ. As always, the church is here to be a place that supplies you with the community that is needed to peel off the layers of your false self, take off your masks, and be your true self. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, let the person who cannot be alone beware of community, but let the person who is not in community beware of being alone. More appropriately, here's how I put this, is this, the call that we have is to be alone together. 
And what I mean by that is this is this dance of being with God and with one another in a healthy way. Allowing God to do the deep work that he needs to do in us. And sometimes that is being alone with him, being with him, so that we can be healthy in the relationships that he's given us to be together. Ask God to give you those people in your life that will strengthen your bonds together so that you can be who God's called you to be, that they can help encourage you in the work that God's doing in your life. And they can do that same thing for you and you can do for them, that you can be honest with one another for the purpose of being your true self. Let's know God more by knowing ourselves more rightly. And subsequently, let's be more of who God wants us to be. Let's not be satisfied with functioning when in Christ we should be flourishing. The reason we can go on in this difficult journey that life is, is because God loves you and the Father is always with you. He's given his Holy Spirit to be with us, loving you through every season and every emotion that you'll encounter. I want us to be whole people today, church. I want us to take every mask that we're prone and even tempted and, and kind of default to. I want us to take all of them off and I want them to lay at the feet of Jesus today and say, God, that's not who I am. I'm not what I do. I'm not what other people think. I'm not what I own. I am who you say that I am and that is loved. You are loved by God. And every emotion that you have can be brought to him. He can handle it to make you more into who he's called you to be in Christ. Amen. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from. And visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.